0: I want to turn to the word of God because it above all else has the power to sustain us. First Chronicles chapter 4 verse 9 through 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying oh that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me. And that you would keep me from evil That I may not cause pain So God granted him what he requested I want you to see that God granted what he requested Somebody say God answers prayer Would you do that? That of course presupposes that he hears it first And he does I've been in this series on experiencing The life changing power of prayer The first Sunday I spoke about the power to change your season. Second Sunday, the power to change your situation. Last Sunday, our Generations Pastor, Michael McDermott, did an excellent job on the power to change your family. Today, I want to speak on the power to change your space. Your space. Say that. Space. Space. Father, I ask that you would speak to us now. Let your word impact our hearts and our lives in that unique and powerful way that only the word of God can do and let it cause in us to develop an awareness of who we were meant to be and how we can get there and become what you created us to be for you in Jesus name and everybody shouted amen Amen. wasn't a shout Amen. amen thank you if you've ever read first chronicles you're like I am so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so be- And after a while, you wonder what the point is. In fact, if you're not careful, your eyes can glaze over. So, And, uh, and especially with some of the names. Ho! Oh, I mean, this is not Lakeisha, and it's not Mark and Sally. It's, I mean, they've got some serious names in 1 Chronicles. Sandwiched in... Between all of these genealogies and just one verse, there is a prayer that is so easy to miss because of the complication we have in reading those genealogies. It's the prayer of Jabez. It only takes up one verse. The prayer itself does. Some years ago, that little prayer was expanded into a little book. By little, I mean little. By Bruce Wilkinson that was simply entitled, The Prayer of Jabez. It sold over 20 million copies. There's a reason why. The five parts of that prayer that Jabez prayed are absolutely mind-boggling. They impact you at just about every area of your life. These five parts of this prayer transformed the life of Jabez. We know that because the scripture goes on to tell us that God heard him and granted his request. Beginning today, and I'll finish next week, we're going to take a closer look at at how to use this prayer to impact your own life. It transformed Jabez as it can transform yours as well. I want you to notice, though, that first of all, this passage begins with a clue as to how to make your prayers more successful. God called Jabez honorable or worthy of honor. The word that is used for honor in the text there in the original Hebrew is the Hebrew word kavod, and it is the same word that is used for the glory of God when it said the glory of God entered a place, or it speaks of God's glory. Jabez carried a measure of the glory of God. This means, first of all, that Jabez was a man of integrity and devotion. Even in that dark era and time when people did not know anything about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he was a person that encountered God often enough in prayer that God's glory rubbed off on him. It reminds me of that passage where Moses spent 40 days in the mountain with God and when he came down, he did not even realize that he was carrying this measure of God's glory with him and it was so strong that his face was shining and people literally became afraid because they realized this is the glory of God and Moses had to put a sack over his head. I'm not making this up and cut out a couple of holes for his eyes to be able to see and wear that when he was in the presence of people. The point that I'm making is simply this. When you are in the presence of God, there is a divine importation that occurs. Something is transferred from God to you. And the Bible tells us that the secret of this was, verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel. When you pray, something is imported into your life that you might not even realize is there like Moses didn't know it was there when he came down from the mountain, took someone else to tell him. But there's a divine importation that others can see in your life. The point is is that when you pray, people notice even though they don't know that you just came from prayer, they see something different about you. But I can also tell you that we notice when we don't pray, is that right? I'm going to make a confession. I don't even like me when I don't pray. I don't. There's stuff that rises up inside of me that I wonder, where did that come from? Anybody else want to be honest? It's time for true confessions right now. (laughs) You don't pray. It has a marked impact on your life, your personality. You can be fun. You can be the, even the life of the party, but if you don't pray, you will always find and feel something is missing inside, always. You don't have the same peace that you would have if you prayed. You don't have the same joy. You don't have the same patience. You don't believe that, don't pray in the morning and then get out on those freeways. Amen. You'll find out how much patience you have in a hurry. And then the next morning, Pray. And it's so much better because you say, go ahead, brother, cut right in front. I don't even care. Amen. Well, maybe not quite. You have to pray a lot to reach that point, but I mean, it, it, it works. Jabez didn't just pray. He prayed for five specific things. Let's take a closer look at them today because, as I mentioned, if you will pray them, they will transform your life. The first thing that he asked God for, the Bible says that he asked that God would bless him indeed. That's what the verse says. Say that, bless me indeed. In the Hebrew, when it says bless me indeed, the Hebrew word for indeed is the very same word as the word bless. So what he's actually saying is, God, would you bless, bless me? That's literally what it says in the original Hebrew. And it refers to walking in a continual state of blessing. In other words, I don't want to just get blessed and tomorrow I have my life fall apart. I want blessings to continue. I want to be blessed, blessed. And there is a difference in just having a blessing and then walking in a perpetual state of blessing. God told Abraham that he would bless him and make his name great. And when you carry the blessing of God, not a blessing, but the blessing of God, it becomes an active and transformative force in your life for good. This blessing went to work in Abraham's life. To change him in his circumstance, in his situation. Amen. Before someone could curse him and that would diminish him. And that is literally what the word curse implies, that you would be diminished. So if someone curses you, say with a profane word, what they mean is, I am devaluing you. And that's why we get upset when someone insults us because they're, they're stripping from us our honor, our value. And this was the case with Abraham. Someone, as Abram, as he was known then, if someone were to curse him, he would be diminished. But once he carried the blessing, and he was blessed, blessed, if you hear what I'm saying, then when someone would curse him, the exact opposite would happen. Because God would cause the curse to become inverted. And he would cause what was meant to be a curse to become a blessing. When you are blessed, blessed, every curse that comes your way becomes a blessing that is released in your life. I wonder, is there anybody in the house that would like to be blessed, blessed? The word itself, to bless, its origin is from the Middle English period. And the original English word was bledsen, which came from a Norwegian word. But what it actually meant was Blood. And then when they began to actually evolve the word, I love the etymology of words, how they, they change from one thing to another over the years. And so it went from let from whatever the Norwegian word word was before to, which means to consecrate with blood till eventually somebody said, I just blood you. <laughs> I love that. Because you see, that was back in an era when they had things like bubonic plague and, and they had all kinds of diseases that would wipe out and decimate entire populations. And marauding bands of army soldiers would come through and just steal and rape and pillage. And, and so after a while, in these extraordinarily difficult times, people began to say, I blood you, I cover you with the blood. Meaning because they understood the enemy can't get through the blood that I'm covering you to cause you to be protected and out of sight when the enemy comes to attack. So when you say, I bless you, that is where the word actually comes from. It means I I, I cover you with the blood where the enemy can't see you. You're invisible. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Let you do that. Tell somebody, I blood you. The enemy can't even find you. That's a word for somebody that's been haunted in this building. Somebody feels like their life is falling apart in the name of Jesus. I'm going to do something right now. I bless you. The enemy can't see you anymore. I cover you with the blood of Jesus Christ. The enemy is a liar. This is going to be the best week you've ever had in your entire life. Somebody give God a praise break right now. Would you do that? Woo! Hallelujah! The second thing that Jabez asked God to do was to enlarge his territory. Interesting. Enlarge his territory. What it actually meant was his space. One of the most important and significant questions you will ever ask in your life is what is your designated Space. Your space is the area that God has assigned to you as your jurisdiction. This is key. Within your jurisdiction, you have authority. Outside of your jurisdiction, you do not. Our good mayor, Mayor Turner, who was here for our dedication, he has jurisdiction and authority in this city, but not in Dallas. You understand what I'm trying to say? You have authority in your home, but not in the neighbor's home next door. You don't have authority everywhere in life, and neither will you in every area of your life, but there is a space that is assigned to you by God. In this space, you have been given a measure of authority. Paul spoke of the need to understand the space in which you have been given authority when he referred to this in his own ministry, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13, we, however, he said, will not boast beyond our measure. I won't boast of things outside of my space, but within the limits of the sphere, and I've put the word metron there because that's the Greek word and I'll explain it in a moment. He said beyond, within the limits of the, the sphere which God appointed us, he said, I can boast about that. And he said, that sphere is a sphere that includes you. Now this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I don't have the authority to go preach everywhere. In fact, there's one place where he tried to go into Asia, and the Bible said the Spirit forbade him. He said, you're not going there, Paul. And that's when he had the Macedonian vision, and he heard the call in that vision at night of this Greek guy saying, come over here and help us. And he went to the west rather than to the east with the gospel, because that was God's unfolding plan. And Paul understood, I don't have authority to preach everywhere. I can't go here and say I'm the pastor of this church. They've already got their own pastor. I'll go over here. This is my space. This is where I have authority. This is where God has sent me to minister. Talk to somebody that gets out of the will of God in terms of their ministry, and they will tell you they're miserable. Because when you are in your space... There's an anointing that goes with that authority. And God uses you in a way that is powerful. Can I hear somebody in the building say amen? So Paul said, we're not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel. He said, I'm coming to you because I have authority. I'm the one who preached to you. We're not, he said, boasting of things beyond our measure, beyond our space. He said, I can't boast in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, he said, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our spear. So he's talking about his particular metron. This is my designated area. And as I preach to you, Paul is saying, and you receive the gospel and the truth and you begin to grow in Christ, then I can boast, God, your word is powerful. But this guy over here, that's preaching this other, in this other church, in this other area, this other region of the world. I can't go over there and say, Look what I've done, because I haven't done anything. I don't have authority there. That's very, very powerful and real. Because you see, metron literally means a measure. It can mean a, a, a yardstick, it can mean a ruler, it can mean a tape measure, but it also means a measured area. And so Paul was saying, This is my measured area. Oh, now it's getting heavy. Because what that means is that I have limits that I'm supposed to work within. Back to what I was talking about. Jabez prayed, God increase my space, my measured area. And you see, what we're talking about is the concept of authority. You don't have authority in someone else's home. You don't have authority in someone else's city if you're the mayor of this city. You don't have authority in someone else's country if you're the president of this one. You don't have the authority of a, in another state if you're the senator of the state of Texas. Your authority is here. And listen to this. Power and authority are not the same thing. Many people think that they are. Power has to do with ability and might. For example, Psalms 147 verse five. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. We know that to mean that God has the power to do everything. Mark 13, 26, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and authority. You see that, or glory rather. As believers, it's not just the Lord that has power, so do we. Acts chapter one, verse eight, you shall receive power. Say it with me. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you've not received the Holy Spirit yet, my brother or sister, you need to receive it because you receive power. Now what is power? Power has to do with ability and might. Authority, on the other hand, is the liberty or the permission or the governmental right to use that power. In other words, you can have power you can't use. Never will forget. When this became so vivid to me, we were at the old location as we started growing. Ray might even remember this. There was a gentleman in the church that had a, a security company and we started having multiple services and the crowds coming in and going out. It was difficult to manage traffic. And so what we decided to do was position someone in the the, in the middle of Wallaceville Road to direct our traffic coming out. And so this guy said, you don't have to get an off-duty police officer to do that. He said, I have a security company, we've got badges, we've got guns, that's power. (laughs) Okay, see what I'm saying? He's got power. Amen. He's wearing it on his hip, that 357. And he said, we'll direct traffic and I won't charge the church anything. And it worked fine. Until Harris County Sheriff's Department drove by and they said, you got the power. You don't have the authority. That's the wrong badge. And we had to stop using this gentleman because he didn't have the authority to stand in the middle of a county road. Now, are are you getting my point? What I'm trying to communicate is you have power. Everybody say that I have power. Would you do that? You have power over the enemy. Yes, you do. You have power over the enemy that's against you. But listen, you need the authority, which is the legal permission to use your power. Oh, now I'm going to get somewhere. He called his disciples, Luke 9, 1, and gave them, oh, watch this now, power and authority. Tell somebody, power and authority. Yeah, you can have power over the enemy, but you might not have authority over everything. You can have authority over different areas. You can have authority, for example, over finances. Warren Buffett has authority over finances. Anybody in the building like to share Warren Buffett's authority? You're lying, go ahead and raise your hand, you know good and well you would. Amen. The point that I'm making is this, you don't have authority over everything in this world, you have power, that's kinetic, it's inside, it's within you, it's ready to go. But the authority is released when God gives you the permission to use that power in particular situations because not all of us have the the authority, for example, as I've just stated, over finances. There are others that have incredible authority. Have you ever noticed in ministry, some people have an anointing to pray for the sick? And man, miracles happen. And other people just as called, just as filled with the Holy Spirit, that's not their lane. Their assignment is different. Some people have an anointing and an authority to preach. Others are called into ministry, but theirs is not a platform ministry. It is a ministry of helps and service. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? This church could not function without all the people that serve every single week faithfully. I bless you in the name of Jesus for what you do. Amen. The authority, and this is what is crucial, and I'm getting ready to wrap this up. The authority you are born with is not the authority You were meant to end up with at the end of your life. God wants to increase your authority. Hallelujah. God can cause your authority to be increased. Amen. Your authority is related to and actually grows out of your ability to discern and understand and then commit to your assignment. And so you are born into this world with an assignment. You have power. And when you walk in within that assignment, God gives you authority. Now, here's the problem. If you never discern what your calling is, what your purpose is, you will never walk in the measure of authority you were meant to walk in as a child of God. You see, it's not who you are that scares the devil. When you walk up and say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, he says, who are you? But if you are standing in the position God has assigned you, and you say, as God's representative, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus because this is my territory right here. I have authority. He's got to surrender to that. Somebody give God praise for one more moment here today. Hallelujah. But here's the downside of, a, of, of territory or space. It's defined by boundaries. Boundaries are the limiting factors that you encounter in life. Where do you find yourself limited and unable to get beyond a certain point? Because many of us have hit up against boundaries in our lives. And this is what happened to Jabez. He encountered boundaries. And he said, God, I don't want to live like this. God, I want you to increase my space, widen the area where I have authority. Are your boundaries in finances I've already mentioned? Or is it, wait a minute, is it the inability to build a relationship that is meaningful and satisfying? And every relationship you get in reaches the same point and then falls apart. And you need authority to push beyond that place. Amen. Do you keep reaching a certain point in life and can't seem to break through to a new place? If so, that's why God brought you here this morning. Because I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be limited anymore. You can pray and God can expand your boundaries. Hello, somebody. Whether that's in your marriage, whether that's in your home. Are you tired of the enemy coming in and you stand there and say you can't come in my house and he just walks right over you? You can have authority where you can look at the devil and say this is my house. In the name of Jesus you cannot enter this home. I'm really, really passionate about this this morning because I believe that God is going to help somebody break through to a new place. Look at your neighbor and say, your space is getting ready to increase. Would you do that? I close with this. One of the principles of life is that sometimes you have to be hurt before you become hungry enough to discover and then commit to your assignment. As long as everything's going well, you just rock along and you will never discover your purpose. And if you don't discover your purpose, you will never have the authority to fulfill that purpose. You see, Jabez grew up with an internal struggle that others did not even know he had. His inner anguish is actually what produced the hunger that made him go to God and say, God, increase my territory. Why do I say this? Look at his name. The name Jabez literally in Hebrew means pain. That's what it means. The scripture says his mother bore him in pain and she named him out of her struggle. She named him out of her suffering. How many of us have been named by someone else's challenges and issues? And some of us grew up not understanding why we did not receive affirmation. Some of us grew up not understanding why we never had identity spoken over us. Why? It's because somebody named us after their pain. One of the most important of all responsibilities that parents have is to speak destiny into the life of their child. That's one of the single most important things you can do. But some of us grew up and we didn't have that. I know what I'm talking about with a mama that put me out when I was four years old, raised by my grandmother. I know what it's like to grow up with pain. Can you imagine Jabez walking into a room and somebody saying, here comes pain, here comes pain. Hey, hey, pain, how you doing today? Not so good, I imagine. Pain. And then, uh, we don't want Jabez, we don't want pain on our basketball team. Huh. We, we hurt bad enough in the loss last week. Hey, hey, pain, how's it going? No, can you imagine? The damaged self-esteem. Am I talking to somebody in this room right now that grew up limited? That grew up hurting? That grew up not being affirmed? And others called you out of their own personal suffering? Your mama didn't mean to do it to you, but when her marriage fell apart and your daddy left, she dealt with so much that she said things that she wishes she could take back right now. How many of you, it's your father, that he was unable to wrap his arms around you and embrace you and speak identity into your life simply because of the fact he never had anybody do it for him. And he grew up struggling. And out of their pain, they ended up limiting your life as well. Well, I've got news for you today. Somebody's getting ready to have a breakthrough. Somebody's getting ready to have a breakthrough in this house. Somebody. We do our best to avoid pain I want our musicians to come. We injure ourselves and we pull a muscle. We take an Excedrin or an Advil. We don't like pain. We don't want pain. There's some types of pain that Excedrin won't touch though and that's what you need to know. There's some types of pain that are so deep that people end up self-medicating because they don't know how to deal with it any other way. I want you to listen closely. Why do you think people do drugs and get in affairs and mess up their life and and do all these stupid things that people do and torpedo their own lives? What they're trying to do is find release from something that's going on on the inside. And I want you to know you can't fix it with drugs. You can't fix it with alcohol. You can't fix it with an affair. But there is one here today that can fix it for you. There's one that can bring healing to you. There's one That can change your life There's one that can heal The longing in your heart There's one that can turn your life around And give you a purpose And a reason for living You see There are people in this room today That have pain You're sitting next to somebody That you think is doing well But if you could see inside their heart They're in pain You know who I'm talking to Because you're blessed And you can't even enjoy what you have Because you're hurting inside You have a nice car You have a good job You live in a nice house But you carry pain around That won't even allow you to enjoy The things that God has blessed you with you live with private hurt that others can't see. You come home every day to your family, but you're in pain. You come to church on Sunday, but you're in pain. You come to the altar and pray, but you're in pain. We seek to avoid pain as much as we can. Close with this. The thing that is unique about God is that God can turn your pain around and make it become an asset. Give God a praise right now. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. God can cause what you've been through to become the means to help somebody else. God can cause your hurt to become the means of ministering to someone else that's wounded. I think of the tribe of Benjamin. The scripture says the book of Judges that there were among Benjamin's elite troops there were 700 who were left handed just hold up your left hand if you would right now a certain percentage of us are left handed automatically listen to what this says each of these of the tribe of Benjamin elite troops could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth and not miss they were the seal team they were the green berets they were the rangers of the Israeli army and you look at that and you think oh those were 700 that were born left-handed I used to think that until I read where Jewish scholars said no they were not when you hold a shield in your left hand and you've got a sword in your right guess what part of you is exposed the right side and being in battle with swords and spears was brutal and jewish scholars say that these 700 men were not born left-handed they lost their right arm in battle and instead of going home and sitting in the rocking chair on the front porch and drawing a pension, you know what they did They got out in the backyard and they learned to hold the sling in their teeth like this and get a rock and put it in that little pouch and then swirl it around their head until when they let it go, whatever they aimed at, they not only hit it, they they killed it. Now this this is what I want to close with. Can you imagine the Jewish army being in battle and things not going well. And so the commander says, call the green berets, call the seal team, call the Rangers. And so the man on the shofar blows the shofar and the enemy, oh no, they're calling in the special forces. And then they look up and they see coming over the hill, 700 men. But as they got closer, they noticed there was an empty sleeve flapping. And then they nearly cracked up. <laughs> That's the best they could do. <laughs> Until they started. Tell somebody, don't count me out yet. Would you do that right now? Tell somebody I may be wounded, but I'm strong. Tell somebody I've been through some stuff, but I'm going to make it. Tell somebody God's not done with me yet.